Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Working Therapist. I'm Hayden along with Kirsty, and we are talking today about behaviors, you know, we hear a lot in our practice, myself and Kirsty do, and leaders of this organization here at PDT, about behaviors and sometimes therapists struggling with what they consider bad behavior. Which We hear negative behavior a mm-hmm. lot, bad behavior, difficult behavior. Right. All those words are just, they sound really negative. I kind of cringe. Whenever somebody says it, I'm just like, ugh, what's happening in there? You know, it kind of <laughs> goes back to that. When my kids were younger, they had like red light, green light, yellow light, you know, like I'm on green and I moved to yellow, then I moved to red. There are plenty of days when my paperclip or whatever it is or clothes pin stays on red and over goes up to green. I have a red behavior day many days, but I don't walk around saying, hey, hey you're having bad behavior, but there's many days I'm on red. <laughs> if I look back at the day, I was like, yeah, that was a pretty red day, Hayden. I wanted my children to behave. When I say behave, they needed to act socially appropriate and, you know, listen and do what's asked of them at that particular moment. But I never got too wrapped up in the colors because I thought it just automatically sort of kind of went to that of, well, you focus on the negative, not the positive. You know, it's really funny because I'm thinking of this one story. I went onto the playground. My kids are in aftercare after school after I get done with work. And I went to pick one of them up off the playground. And he came barreling at me, running, tears in his eyes as soon as he saw me. And I'm like, what? And he goes, I'm, I got in trouble today. I said, and he doesn't get in trouble. So I'm like, well, what what happened? And the teacher met me, and he's crying, and no. he's got his head buried in my pant leg. <laughs> and I'm like, what did he do? And she said, well, you know, he piled mud up at the bottom of the slide, and all the kids were sliding into it, and they were getting dirty. It took everything. Like I kept my face as straight as could be. And <laughs> so in our world, what my husband and I do and what we do as a family, we play outside. We go. We get dirty. Our kids get dirty. We're good with this life, right? Mm-hmm. But at school, it's not appropriate. <laughs> and so we walked away. And here he's thinking he's been bad. Terrible. He's mm-hmm. done this bad behavior. And I was just like, you know, honey, what we do at home you can do that at home all day. I don't care if you pile mud up at the bottom of the slide, but at school they said we can't do that. So we just have to know when we're there, that's not okay. And you just don't do it at school. But at home, have at it. Do it all you want. So I think just knowing what's acceptable and what's not, and it's learning and... It doesn't always carry over to all different environments. Mm-mm. When I was talking about, I was have a red day. I didn't think I was maybe that red. Maybe I thought I was red, but maybe other people didn't think it. Or you know. So yeah. I think there's some perception that goes with it. So sometimes what we hear with, oh, this child is, gosh, there's such a behavior problem, or there's so many behaviors, or he's just so bad. So sometimes when we hear that, we don't hear that a ton, but we do hear, you know, sometimes we hear it enough to. I have a podcast about it. Not just that, but in interviews too. Yeah, we do hear people. it in interviews a lot about, well, you know, behavior was something that a lot of people struggle with, you know, how to manage behaviors in a session. And so it's caused us to start thinking, about, okay, well, maybe we should do a podcast about behaviors, but it's not something I first think of when I think about like speech therapy and what I do. Behavior really doesn't come into it. It's a different way of thinking for me. Well, I think because every day we all exhibit behaviors. It's what we do all day long, not just like verbally communicating, but how we carry ourselves and the things that we do. It's all behavior. It's all communication. So if you think about that, then it does tie to speech. And 
the behavior does tie to motor therapy because they're doing something. So today we thought we could talk about five things that would help you get ahead so that you don't have a behavior type of situation in your session. Number one, first thing I thought about with this was this situation is not about us. So it's not about us. It's about the child. So that means I change what I do and how I present myself and the activities I do, but I change the whether I'm talkative, not talkative, loud, quiet. You know, if I'm really close and touchy or far away and back away, I change that based on what the child needs from me. So based on that, I'm going to come in. So if it's not about me, it's about them. I'm already working to their strengths and what they need from me. So we're already starting off in a positive way, not a, it's going to be my way and this is how it's going to go down. You know, I'm not making the child conform to me. I'm conforming to them. You're matching them where they're at. Mm -hmm. If they're on the floor in the waiting room, you might be on the floor in the waiting room and we get, <laughs> before yeah. you get into therapy. Yeah, immediately. Well, I immediately get on their level. Like right. I, when I meet them in the waiting room, I squat down and get eye to eyeball right. with them. And like, okay, let's go play. And if they've got like a train in one hand and a block in the other, let's bring them with let's us. Let's go and then I'll bring them back later. Because if you sit there in the waiting room and you're like, no, we have to leave these here. Well, number one, you're going to spend about 10 minutes wasted yeah. on trying to drop the train and yeah. whatever, the block. Or whatever. And who cares? Yeah. Put them out there after the session. Exactly. Or that's your transition back to the waiting room when they don't want to leave therapy now. Right. Hey, let's go put the train back on the train table. (laughs) If you're always up high and then you're bending down, you immediately want to get on their level, eyeball to eyeball, so they're on the same playing field. You know, They're coming to you for PTOT and speech because there's already something happening with them. So you're already dealing with a child, especially speech-wise, that they have a communication issue or they've got something happening. So you need to kind of be on their level and eyeball to eyeball versus this towering figure or whatever, you know? So I think that's immediately important. And then also knowing sets up all about them, not about you. And so, for example, sometimes I'll see speech people and bless her hearts, or bless all of our hearts, because I'm one of those, they pull out some worksheets, a lot of worksheets, you know, and maybe you say a child with is working is age appropriate, they're in regular education classrooms, and they're working on, I don't know, pronouns and verb tense and stuff like that, and they've got a bunch of worksheets and stuff. And this poor little person looks bored out of their mind. They're not demonstrating a lot of behaviors, like behavior, bad behavior or anything, but their engagement is not all that great, and they're kind of like, oh, how quickly can we get out of this? And they're maybe they're telling their mom, I don't want to go to speech, I don't want to go to speech. I just went to school all day and had to sit at a desk all day and now I have to do more worksheets. And I want wah. I mean, really? Ooh. And so I'm um, thinking, well, so if you've got this child that can follow directions and can understand what you want to do and you're working on some language concepts and stuff, then you can do that. Proximity doesn't matter. They can follow directions. They can understand verbal cues. They get all of that. They're on regular ed. They're just working on a few of these other little things. Then you can do like a big movement activity with them, something that's fun. So like a little boy, for example, a five-year-old boy or a six-year-old little boy. I mean, you could do like a whole obstacle course with them. Or you could do something where, okay, you come over here and you name, I don't know, whatever pronoun or verb thing you got going on right there. And then they run across the room and tag something and then run it back. Mm-hmm. That's so much more fun than sitting there and do a worksheet and color in the right whatever bajigger it is. <sighs> wah, wah, I'm not doing that. Anyway, so again, so sometimes the behavior, it's not just like 
kick and scream and that kind of thing, but like, how is the child's engagement? And are they, because the more engaged they are, the more excited they are, and the more regular life stuff you're doing with them moving their body, the sooner they're, they're going to get done with therapy. Yeah. So behavior doesn't always have to be negative. It could just be like, what's their level of engagement and that kind of thing. We got to change what we do all day long for each child that comes to the door. It's not about us, it's about them. So we need to start with that. So a lot of times too, with physical therapy, when a child comes in, I let them pick the toy. I let them pick out whatever it is that they want to play with, because really my job is to then figure out how am I going to use that toy in my therapy session to get out what I need. Otherwise, they don't need to come to me. Mom can do that at home. Mm -hmm. But that's the skill that we bring to the table. So I don't ever walk in and I'm like, okay, we're going to play with this and plop that down and like force the child to play with that. It's open the closet. What do you want to do today? Or, and if they're having trouble picking, I'm like, do we want to do this one or this one? No? Okay, what about this one? Because they don't even know sometimes what's in that closet. Sure. And then we pick something, and now I have to, as we're walking back, I'm like, all right, how am I going to play with this and get this? These are my goals. These are what I need to work on. So how am I going to make this fun? And this is how you play the game, and I never follow the directions anyway, so scrap that, and this is how we're going to play the game today. I've met them where they're at. I chose the toy that they want to play with, so now I'm assuring that I have that engagement piece, and now I'm going to get that little piece that I want out of it. Which is actually the second thing. It doesn't really matter what you work with as long as you understand what it is you need to work on with the child and then adapt the whatever activity it is. That's really the second thing. Because it shouldn't be a power trip. It Mm-mm. shouldn't be like, this is my session and I'm running it and I'm the adult and I'm in control. That should never be what it's about. We should be following their lead, which Hayden and I talk about a lot too, mm-hmm. just in therapy in general. It's following their lead and then kind of guiding it into what it needs to be about. With that, all that stuff that you were talking about just then, I think if you're going into the session and like, okay, well, I'm the boss and we're going to do this and we're going to play Play-Doh and I'm in charge, so it's my way. Right. And this is the plan and that kind of thing, then you're probably going to have some negative behaviors because when I walk into a situation, if nobody's listening to me ever and nobody cares really what I want to do or how I want to do it, we can't all get our way all the time. This Life is not Burger King. You know, you don't get it your way all the time. Sometimes, I guess if you go to Burger King and get a hamburger, you do. But anyway, you can't always get everything, single thing that you want. But for example, with a kiddo, if they don't want to play Play-Doh, don't. That is why they're throwing the cookie cutter across the room. (laughs) Yes. And I've said this before on this podcast, but if you are in a battle of wills with a kid over potato head, walk away. Don't literally walk away from the session, but why fuss about a potato head? If they don't want to do potato head, don't do it. Do something else. That's your opportunity for speech in particular to be like, (laughs) okay, then let's clean it up. Help me clean it up. Put it away. That's when I scatter the pieces all over the floor and get squat to retrieve and return to stand and put them in the bucket. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) They think they're cleaning up and done and I'm getting what I want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I go, okay, nope, give me the eyes. I need the eyes. Eyes. Nope. There you go. It. I need the eyes. Uh-oh, eyes. Get the eyes. And then, oh, what is it? Tell us, tell them, tell them, bye-bye, bye-bye, eyes. Yep. They think they're cleaning up and they're all done with exactly. it. Exactly. And they're done. They're in charge. But you're getting what you need to get for the goals, but who cares what activity it is? It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So that's the second thing. The third thing, in my opinion, is the size of space you're working in. And again, this kind of goes back to it's not about us. So, you know, I know that we might be comfortable working in a certain room or we may be comfortable, you know, PTs tend to always gravitate to the gym. Speech always tends to gravitate to a smaller room. OT sometimes work in a big space, sometimes a smaller gym. But always evaluate what kind of space does this child need and what kind of proximity do you need to be with this kiddo? 
I saw it happen this week. There was a, a child, he was in the waiting room and the therapist was getting ready to come and get him and she was finishing up with her other kiddo and she was doing that. And I was watching this little boy because I was going to do the session with the second little kiddo with this therapist. And I was watching little boy and he was at the train table and playing with that. And this therapist was, you know, about... 10, 15 feet from the little boy and stuff, he had no idea she was anywhere in the room, you know? And so she came over to get him for therapy and I squatted down and she kind of squatted down and we were super close to him. And like, hey, so-and-so, let's go play. And But it took us to get like right up in his face. And so when we took him back to the therapy space, we talked about the therapy room. We needed a very... Even in a speech room, which was really small, we needed a real small, small space. And like even in our sensory gym, we couldn't have been in that big, humongous sensory gym. We would have had to have been in the top part, like in the top castle part or down below on the bottom castle part and really shrunk our space because any further than just like two or three feet from him, three feet was too far. And mm-hmm. we lost him. And he was like, well, whatever. You've dropped off the face of the earth. I don't even, not that you couldn't see us. It's just proximity, proximity. for engagement. It was too far. It was, he just wasn't able to process. We had to be like right up in his face. Right. And if we weren't, what I noticed was he would start kind of doing how he wanted to do it, when he wanted to do it. He wasn't really that engaged. He was demonstrating no negative behavior. He was just like, oh, well, they're not needing anything from me, so I'm just going to do my thing. <laughs> I'm <know>? good. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but which could be interpreted by some as, well, he's not engaged. But that's our job is to get the engagement. Right. And so, then educate the parent on what needs to happen to help him be engaged. For speech, we have to really watch proximity and how close, but even for PT, like say you were working on ball skills with this kid, you could have also done it in that top of the castle in a very, very small Mm -hmm. two by four foot area. I do that a lot. Yeah, I know. I've seen you do it a ton. But I'm just saying, you don't have to have a big old gym. Nope. Sometimes it's not needed or wanted. (laughs) And even like swinging on the swing, sometimes I've noticed, even with this little boy, swinging on the swing, because we did some of that. When he went back away from us, we were too far with him. So as a swing was swinging, I kind of followed it with my body. So my face and his face were always super close. Yeah. That makes so sense. even that was too far, you know? So proximity, because again, there was no negative behavior. We were too far out of his range of engagement. Number four, pacing of the session. No, I don't know. Do you think this is a big thing for PT, how you pace it? I think yes, because we are moving across space. So if we're moving from one thing to the next and, you know, or they get bored or done with an activity, that's where I think, again, it's like, okay, we don't just leave the activity. And this is one of the biggest things I've learned from you, Hayden, is that start, do, finish. Okay, well, let's clean it up. All done. Bye-bye. Put it away. Start it. Do okay, it, now it. what? What's mm-hmm. next? So that they understand that progression that's really important. Otherwise, I always say this. I'm like, I can't imagine what parent would be like, yeah, you know, don't work on cleaning up with my child. I don't want them to clean up anything at home. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> um, so, and I say that to therapists all the time. There's not a parent out there that's going to be like, don't have my child clean up. No. Please no. Anything but that. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't throw me in the bra patch. <laughs> so I do. I always do that. Okay, we're all done with this. All done. And we have to put it all away. And how we put it away. If I need toe raises, I'm like, okay, reach out, put it in the bucket, up high, up high, on your tippy toes, get it in. Okay, let's. Let's get another one. Squat you know? mm-hmm. So again, I'm still getting my repetitions, my therapy. For PT, again, for me, the toy does not matter. I just need stuff with parts and pieces. That's it. I just need that for repetitions. Mm-hmm. I don't care what the toy is. <laughs> so I've seen this happen a lot. So like, for example, like an obstacle course, you got a child and they are on the balance beam and the motor therapist is with them. So the PT or whatever motor therapist is get out of their range of engagement. See, another functional use for that phrase, range of engagement. But also... 
pacing, in my opinion, with the obstacle course is a thing. And so the PT or the motor therapist kind of gets further away. And then also walking across the balance beam takes like a really long time, potentially. And then the kid jumps and runs in a different direction. You know, and I've seen sometimes people are like, oh my gosh, he just never listens or he doesn't, you know, stay on task. Well, I think that's a pacing issue. Do you like uh, with the balance beam kind of thing? Because it's so long. I think you can do different stuff with it to keep the engagement. That might be a really good co-treatment with speech Mm -hmm. too, because Mm -hmm. you can hide like cards along the way Mm -hmm. or different letters or whatever it is that you're working on. and, And it becomes more of like a scavenger hunt obstacle course. So again, more purpose. Yep. So it depends on the child. Some children are fine to attend to that, but when you say pacing for me, I think it's probably more lacking a purpose. Like the child doesn't see the purpose in why do you want me to walk across this balance beam? Yeah. Like for me, it's lacking purpose. Well, see, and for speech, I guess how I'm thinking about it with pacing is like, so say you're working on, you got to do this to get that, like just basic functional. And this is where I see this pacing thing happen in a session and where you kind of lose the kid a little bit. And then you start to see some quote unquote behaviors, though I don't really interpret it as behavior, like negative, you just see them not engaged, you know, and which can be, I guess, in some situations interpreted as a negative behavior if they start doing something you don't want them to do. I don't see it that way. I say like, oh, you kind of lost them. That's what I think. Anyhow, so for kids who got to do this to get that, who are, you're working on the concept, you've got to do this, like say this sound, do this gesture, whatever, give me this picture cut card, and you get that. So right. like a wind-up toy, you one, two, three, and you wind it up and you see it go. Well, you can sort of see when the kid, after like three or four times, you can see where they start to kind of lose interest. So like, oh, you want to tell it bye-bye? So you have to be really, really sensitive to interpret that subtle cues where the kid's not engaged anymore. So, oh, oh tell me bye-bye. And then you quickly, and then, okay, and then you're right there, right smack dab in their face because proximity pacing to get another toy immediately. Before they got up and ran. Before they get off and run away. So that's what I mean by pacing. If yep. you let it sort of drag or you pause in the wrong spot too much, you lose them. Yeah. And I think with PT, when you're working on motor tasks, sometimes I think that's the purpose of a therapeutic break. Like, mm. okay, now go do you for a minute. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. you need a break from me in this directed activity. So, what do you want to do? And then I'll watch what they go to. And now, how can I come in and incorporate what I need to and what they found that they wanted to do? So, I think. I'm not always trying to pull them back. I'm like, no, no, let them go. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, don't you get like that too? You're like, oh, I've had enough of this. I need a minute, you know? Yep. Yep. So let's shift gears. Let's do something else. And I'm like, okay, well, that's natural. So mm-hmm. let him shift gears. Now is your skill set that has to come in and change the way he's doing it in a way that's not going to make them leave. Well, and I think, again, I think what you just said, too, is key with functional. Because like in a speech session, mostly they're 30 minutes, so it's on. It's on for mm-hmm. that 30 minutes. But if they're not engaged with that activity, stop. Stop. You know? Abort so, mission. Exactly. Like, <laughs> don't do it anymore for the love of Pete. Stop. And then, um, and if a child is really active and really like just, and in the evaluation, you know, they're dumping everything out and they're running for different tasks, then you may have to go through 15 things in a session, you know, but you should have those 15 things piled up there, ready to go, and all in start, do, finish types of containers, which means basically sealed. And you're just pulling them out, boom, 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 and you're cleaning each one up. But you might have to do 15 different things, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's okay. That's what that kid needs yep. versus, I mean, the goal probably is getting to do less things and like attend for a little bit longer, but it might take a couple sessions times to get there. Sessions to get there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got to figure out, oh, I do have some control because I can tell this goodbye and be done with it, but then I won't have to get something else out, mm-hmm. and it's going to be continual. And that may be the first opportunity they've ever really had to do that. 
Mm-hmm. So to me, that's also pacing. If yeah. you go too slow or too fast, you could lose them either way. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, sometimes it takes a couple sessions to figure that out. I do think so. Yep. And then the last thing I have is functional. And this is like probably yours in my soapbox. It's got to be functional. Functional. So sometimes I see this goal. Child will engage in a non-preferred activity. Well, that's what excites me in the morning. Yeah, like, oh boy, I get to do five non-preferred activities today. Wow, that's awesome. You know, that's great. <laughs> really? I get to go pay bills. That's awesome. That's a definitely non-preferred activity for me. <laughs> and then, or, yeah, or, I mean, really? Or I get, oh, I get to write up 10 daily notes. Woo, woo. Yeah, we don't care about no. that. No. <laughs> like, why, if you're three, what non-preferred activity do you have to do besides brush your teeth? Like, really? Yeah, you got to brush your teeth. So that may be a preferred. Or you, you have to... I can't think of anything that a non <laughs> You got to get in your car seat? I don't know. You got to, I don't know, whatever it is. But most kids don't really do non-preferred activities. Or at least they don't do it without whining. I mean, they might not eat their peas. Right? Right. I you, mean, you get find something, from something else, else. green. <laughs> right. You get something else for another vegetable. Give them a Flintstone. I don't know. So is, is that functional? Like, really, is that functional? And don't you think you would see behaviors if you're doing a non-preferred activity? Because let me tell you, when I'm paying, paying bills, I have a whole lot of behaviors. Yeah, you don't want to make a phone call to Hayden when no, she's No, I'm like, right now, I'm like, oh, what is this? <laughs> Again? Uh, They're charging me another month? <laughs> did, did we really need this? Like, <laughs> so, there's a lot of behavior happening with me. <laughs> so, Um, So I just don't think why is that's not necessarily functional. When we're working with children, we always say this, it's supposed to be fun and it should be engaging. And Hayden and I both, when we're in the clinic, if we hear somebody crying in the gym or like shrill screaming, we're like, what? What's that? Why? And we both go running because it should be fun. So again, do you need to abort mission and stop what you're doing? What needs to happen to shift gears to make it fun? And you might need to take five steps backward to go two steps forward because we're working with children. Like say last session, you got them to say 15 different words or 20 different words or whatever. But maybe this session, you only get five. Well, okay. Not everybody's got a stellar day. You know, as long as you're moving forward, not every session is going to be your most stellar session. You know, so But the fact that they, maybe they only said five words this session, but they, instead of playing with 15 different toys, they engage with five. That's, you know, so you got to sort of evaluate over the term, you know, strengths and weaknesses. And so you don't want to force something when you, it doesn't really have to be forced if it's not functional for that day either. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe they didn't sleep well last night. They're probably, maybe their balance Maybe they be were off. at swim lessons in the morning and they're just worn out and they just want to go home and take a nap. Yeah. 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 Who knows? Yeah. So maybe you have to just do something a little bit different. Yeah. So you have to modify that, which really goes back to one through four. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about us. It's about them. That's really where it starts. Those are just five simple things, I think, to think about in terms of therapy and sort of how you set it up. And maybe those will help you avoid, quote unquote, behaviors. And I think as we're talking about this too, I think it's really important. We say all the time the parents should be part of the session. Mm-hmm. I think they need to see how you manage those things, how you pause, how you move from one thing to the next, how you say, oh, oh, you're all done with this. Okay, let's clean it up. Like, you need to be a model for that, and you need to point out what they can be doing at home positively rather than focusing on the negative. Because I have heard in different clinics when we are interviewing people, yeah, you know, I point out to the parent, it wasn't that great of a session, you know, and I'm like, what on earth, what parent wants to hear that their child didn't perform well? 
we're, as parents, you want your child to be successful. You want the best for them. And so if you are hearing time after time, not just from therapy, but maybe their teacher at school, they're in a preschool, their babysitter, yeah, you know, another meltdown. Oh, we couldn't get this done. He threw this across the room. He threw this at me. No parent wants to hear that. Mm-mm. No, and if I'm hearing every single session, he threw something, he, whatever it was, I'm thinking, well, what is it you're doing to make him throw stuff at you? Right. I don't go to, hey, that child, you know, I go to, hey, what'd you do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, and I'm not one of those, if I'm speaking from a mom's perspective right now, I'm not a type of mom who sticks my head in the sand and thinks all of her kids are perfect. You know, no, yeah. we all got stuff. But if consistently, time after time after time, I'm hearing, oh gosh, well, he threw this or she didn't do that or she didn't do this and didn't do that, I'm thinking, huh, that's weird because why not? Because she's obviously not getting engaged with you and she kids normally want to does. play. Yeah, and they normally want to get do this. Right. Something's not meshing here. Right. Yeah, and I think as therapists, we really have to think about that and really try to think, what's not meshing here? And if it's about us, not about them, you know, it might be very easy for us to pull out worksheet after worksheet after worksheet, but, you know, this is not an easy job if you're helping people to get better. No, it's, it's not. not. And I think what you're saying, too, about that, it's not about us, it's about them. You have to, your mindset has to shift to focus on the positives, to pull that one positive thing out of the session mm-hmm. and build on that. Mm-hmm. But if you, every time get hung up on that negative. And we have heard this just this week, Hayden, from somebody that we were interviewing, like that negative session in the morning causes them stress the entire day. So then you pull that negative session at 8 a.m., through your entire caseload for the rest of the day, that's not fair to anybody else on that caseload. Mm -hmm. And you made it all about you again. So you made that one eight o'clock session for the entire day about you. That's a quick way to spend a non-preferred activity day, right? I mean, like, <laughs> I wouldn't want to come back the next day. No. no, no. So I, I think that's a really good point. If there's a lot of screaming and crying and whatever, if the child's not sick, and I'm assuming in this situation, none of the examples above were the child was sick, but you have to just stop. Do something totally different. Something yeah. totally different. Don't always take them in that same room. Try mm-hmm. a completely different room. Comple- Mix it up. You know, I've even said, I'm like, you know what, therapist? Schedule the appointment at the park. Go to a completely yeah. All different unexpected thing, place. Mm-hmm. Meet them at the park. Meet them down the road. Don't come into this clinic mm-hmm. because they've now already associated because they've had bad experiences throughout multiple potentially, sessions. Potentially, yet they yeah. could. And so go somewhere different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So it just mix it up completely, break the cycle. and But and we can't get, give up. No, because it's not about us. It's about them and our job is to help them. So there we go. So as we wrap it up, I just want to mention a couple of things. We talked about some stuff in the waiting room. We have a podcast that's titled, What You Can Learn in the Waiting Room. We also talked about adaptability. That was one of sort of the underlying themes here with it's not about us, it's about them and adapting your plan to them and changing that up. And we have a series of podcasts that talks about moving from good to great. And one of those specifically talks about adaptability and communication. So check that one out too. They all can be found on theworkingtherapist.com or at our pediatricdt.com website. And then you can go to the Working Therapist website and iTunes and Stitcher. So there you go. Okay. Thanks, Kirsty. Thank you. I appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com.